You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Good morning, everybody. My name is Gail Parker. I am uh, here from the spring in Tempe, um, but I'm really here because I'm Luke's mom, and it's good to be with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are beginning a new sermon series, uh, both in Midtown and in Tempe today, that we're calling Simple, in the hopes that this year, perhaps perhaps because of COVID-19, actually, we will find ways to simplify, especially the cultural things that Christmas so often keep us, keep us so busy and stressed at this time of year, um, so that we can enter fully into the gift, the real gift that is uh, God's gift to us at Christmas. For the next four weeks or so, we will all be preparing for Christmas. And one of the things that we do at this time of year always is we give and receive gifts. Even if it's stressful on the budget, uh, usually, at least in my life, it's stressful on time because it adds a lot into my month that I don't normally do. We will do whatever it takes in order to have those presents bought or made, wrapped, and sent by Christmas. No matter what else has to not happen, we make sure that that will happen, right? And normally, one of the things that gets pushed aside, especially this time of year, unfortunately, is Jesus. Being with him daily in prayer, being being with him weekly in worship, being attentive to where he's at work in our lives and in the world around us, and having enough margin in our life to be able to say, yes, I want to be part of whatever that is that you're doing. I want to talk today about the gift, the incredible present that God gives us of his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. And I want to invite you to to humbly embrace that gift this year. It's the best present with a T that you'll get. Just to enjoy his presence. Christmas really is that simple. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, and then the first 12 verses of chapter 2. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then in chapter 2, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we've come to pay him homage. 
When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for this incredible story. Thank you for the way that you speak to us year after year after year of how very much you want to be with us. So would you make my words now faithful to your word? That they would not return void, but that they would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a really good TED Talk, if you haven't heard it or seen it, by the name of a woman, um, Amy Cuddy, I think is the way you say her last name. It's, it's a great talk that they actually turned into a book that they called Presence with a C. And the TED Talk has been watched by millions and millions and millions of people. She studies language and body posture. And she says, basically, there are two ways that you can uh, carry your body. You can, you can make yourself big or you can make yourself small. Um, you're, you're doing some version of that right now. Some are um, sitting up tall and shoulders are squared and your head is up. And um, I don't see anybody in this room doing it, but often you'll see you'll see them like powerfully put their, their arms over, oh yeah, you are. You put an arm or two over the chair. Uh, you're, you're taking up space. You're kind of saying to the world, I'm here. This is my space. Alpha leaders, alpha males, alpha dogs, you've heard those terms. They're, um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's what they do. It's associated with a higher level of testosterone. Uh, and, and it's a sign of dominance. This uh, on the screen is Usain Bolt. I want you to look at his physical presence. He is saying, I am a winner, right? It's all over his body language. You can make yourself big, Cuddy says, or, you, or the other way is to make yourself small. You cross your legs. You, you might fold your your hands over, over your body, you're, you, you kind of slump your shoulders, you, you, your head goes down. 
um, it's associated actually with larger amounts of cortisol, which is the stress hormone. You feel more stress. And, um, and you kind of don't want to be noticed. That's, you're, you're closing in. Cuddy says that big or small has an enormous impact on, on your life. That, um, and if you're going to have a really important conversation, like you're going to have a, a job interview maybe, or, or you want to ask somebody out on a date, and you, you want to feel big, you want to feel confident, self-confident. And her studies actually show that if you go into a room by yourself and you spend two minutes in a, in a power pose, a big pose, like this one um, of uh, Wonder Woman, the levels of testosterone rise and the cortisol lowers. And she's proven it again and again and again. It's a fascinating talk if you haven't seen it. And, um, and actually, it's very moving. She has a very moving personal story that she tells in this. Um, my point is that there are times when we need a big presence, a powerful presence, when, when um, we know people, perhaps, who, who need a powerful presence. There are times when it's very important. There are also times when we need to make ourselves small. And knowing the difference between those two, um, it's very important. When it, when it comes to embracing the presence of God, that's a time to be humble. It's a time to make yourself small. I was thinking of this TED Talk as I was thinking on this, the, this part of the Christmas story that I, I read a few minutes ago. In this story, there are alpha dogs. One that you might not think of as an alpha dog, but you should, is, is God himself. He is an alpha dog. And the remarkable thing about this story is that God makes himself small on purpose in order to be with us. That's the, the Christmas story at its most simple that the God of the universe made himself small in order to be God with us, Emmanuel. I want to talk about God with us. I want to talk about how important it is if we want to be in his presence that we are attentive and that we kneel. God is with us. In Philippians 2, we read, Jesus had equal status with God, but not, did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of, of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set, he set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave. He became human in order to be with us. Not around us, not above us, but with us. Not from a distance, but intimately up close. He saw our brokenness and he decided to enter right into that and begin the work of his kingdom, the redemptive, restorative work of his kingdom. One of the things that has made me incredibly sad in recent years is that I have watched way too many people walk away from their faith in God. That they were, that they were raised, that there was a time when they sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, and it was very much a part of who they were, but they've walked away. They, they, they grew up. They started asking questions of some of the things that they were taught. 
and they kept asking questions, and there's nothing wrong with asking questions, but the sad thing is when you just walk away, when you throw the whole thing out because you have a few questions. And what's so sad to me is that what they walk away from is God with them. That the God of the universe, they just walk away from his presence. Nobody wants to be that kid in school that um, sits alone in the cafeteria. Nobody wants that. Some of you have watched that old movie, Forrest Gump, and um, he gets on the bus and nobody wants him to sit next to him. This seat is taken, they'll say. This seat is taken, the next guy says. This seat is taken, and then finally he meets Jenny, and Jenny says, you can sit with me. And he's no longer alone, but he's with. And, um, and she's like an angel to him, actually. God doesn't want you to be alone. In fact, God says that at the very beginning. It's not good that you are alone. I think one reason that Christ created the church, one among others, but one reason is that the church is to be the physical, tangible presence of the fact that God is with us and with the world and that he loves it. It's always been God's heart to be with us. An Old Testament scholar counted 114 times in the Old Testament, 114 times where God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. And then in Jesus, God says, I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to be with them, intimately with them. Christmas, it's the, the biggest miracle of all becomes the smallest miracle of all. That in all of God, God causes all of his person, his presence, his majesty, his glory, his, um, his bigness, his largeness, to be condensed and compacted into that frail, fragile little body. God with us in all our frailty and fragility. That word with is an amazing gift. Um, Jesus, in the beginning, calls this motley crew of, of uh, people that he called apostles, fishermen and tax collectors, and people actually who were very small in the ancient world. And he, he called them, Scripture tells us, to be with him. And being with him changed them. So much so that people saw these uneducated uh, simple men, um, and, and, and they couldn't believe what they saw them doing. And, and the only rationale they could give for that was that he, they had been with Jesus. And at the end of his life, Jesus hung on a cross, and he died, and God raised him from the dead three days later. And at the end of the book of Matthew, some of the last words that he says as the risen Lord to the the, the disciples who are gathered is, I will be with you to the end of the age. I will be with you. Now, some people say, how could, how could he be with us if he's not here physically? Well, we all know that you can be with somebody physically, right? You could be, you could be this close to me physically or sitting across the table physically from me and be light years away from me mentally and emotionally, <laughs> light years away from me. John Ortberg says, we call those people husbands. 
I know that's a sexist comment, but I liked it better than wife. <laughs> The gospel is Jesus is no longer restricted to a body, so he can be with anybody, anytime, all the time, and he can be and wants to be with you. The truth is that some people really want to be with Jesus, and other people really don't want to be with Jesus. If we want to receive the gift of his presence, God with us, then we have to be humble enough to seek him, to seek it, to be with him. And that means we have to be attentive. The Magi were attentive. They were students of the stars. They paid attention to what they said, and God used this phenomenon in the sky to lead them to Jesus. In the ancient world, Astrologers and astronomers were the, the same uh, thing. Um, and they, they believed that the world was interconnected. So that if, if, if something big was happening, something important was happening on Earth, it would be reflected in the, in the stars. And if, if something was happening in the, in the skies, then that meant that something really important was happening on the Earth. Now, the scholars have wondered, and looked for what, what might that phenomenon have been. We don't know for sure, but I, I kind of like N.T. Wright's best guess, which is that um, around the time of Jesus' birth, three times, the planets Jupiter and uh, Saturn actually were in conjunction with each other. And Jupiter was, the, was known as the, the, the kingly or royal planet. And Saturn was often um, connected with the Jewish people, and so it was just logical that a new king of the Jews had been born. But like I said, we don't know that for sure. What we do know is that these were pagans, right? They don't, they don't know who God is. They don't worship God. But God uses the, their curiosity to bring them to, to Israel. They're paying attention to things that other people don't notice at all. Pastor and author and activist Brenda Salter McNeil says, be human enough and humble enough to know that we all see through a glass dimly. We all need to keep growing. Well, the Magi were growing, and they caused quite a stir when they got to Jerusalem. We don't know how many there were. It was probably quite an entourage, actually. They traveled so far. Um, tradition says there are three because there are three gifts at the end, but there could have been a bunch of them. They go to Herod. They're looking for a new king. He's the king. He, he's frightened. Obviously, this is a big threat to him. And Herod is an alpha dog. And he knows how to wield his power. He gathers the Jewish scholars together, and he asks them, what, what does the scripture say about where your Messiah is to be born? They look at the scriptures, and they see that the scriptures say, coming from Bethlehem. So, think about it a minute. It's in their scriptures, but do they go? They don't go. 
they're not paying attention. Um, Herod doesn't go. I mean, what he wants is to find out the location so he can make sure that this threat gets killed. But he's not curious, of, certainly not to worship him. They, they're not paying attention. Now, maybe they're too busy. Maybe they're too busy with holiday preparations. Maybe they're too busy with work and uh, things at home or um, parties and other things that they're doing. Who knows? Astronomy was looked down upon in Israel. It was considered idolatry. Maybe, maybe they just didn't want anything to do with it. But the interesting thing is that the outsiders are the ones who follow God's word. And the insiders sit at home complacently. I think at least some of them, maybe a lot of them, thought it was beneath them. Beneath them to listen to any news from wealthy pagan people, outsiders. We have all kinds of excuses why we don't move toward Jesus. We are often too busy or we're preoccupied or we're frightened. Um, especially in this time of COVID, we see people withdrawing rather than drawing near. We listen far more to the news than we are listening to God's word. Maybe some aren't listening because this message is so familiar and it's so tied up with stuff from their past that they're trying to rid themselves of that it's, they're trying to leave it behind, right? And, and in a very real way, at least for a lot of people I know, it comes across like this is beneath them, beneath the new them, this new person that's trying to shed all, all things Christian faith-wise, all things related to it. But that word with, it just won't go away this time. It just won't go away. It's in the songs that are being played over the Muzak. And neither will the example of these wise men go away. These pagans who were curious enough to pay attention to that which other people were not paying attention to, they had to go. They had to go. There's an old Beatles song called Eleanor Rigby, and in that song there's this, this line. It says, all the lonely people, where do they come from? Remember that line? It's a great line. And I was thinking of other questions that we could throw in that are like that. All the fearful people, where do they all come from? Or all the overstressed people, where do they come from? And the answer is that they're, they're, they're people who do not yet know and are not yet living in, into the presence of this God who is with them. It's the greatest present with a T that they'll ever receive, you'll ever receive, I'll ever receive. Getting to the, this newborn king was the number one thing on the Magi's mind. It was the number one thing. They thought about it all the time until they got there. What's the number one thing on your mind these days? What consumes your thoughts? 
That's really an important question because whether we are aware of his presence or not has a lot to do with where our thoughts are. Brother Lawrence talked about learning to, to be aware of God's presence all the time, all day long, everything he did. Dallas Willard, picking up on people like Brother Willard, or Brother Lawrence says, it, it has so much to do with how we train our mind. I've been trying to train my mind to, to be more aware of, of Jesus and his presence with me during the day. And so I've set an alarm on my phone that goes off at, I've set it for 9, noon, 3, and 6. And every time it goes off, I, I, I connect with Jesus. I might say, I might tell him I love him. I might thank him for something. I might... Uh, I might, if I've, if I've got a burden, if my mind is on something I'm burdened about, then I, I'll, I'll talk to him about that. I try to bring him into whatever mundane thing I'm doing. I'm cooking. Be with me in my cooking. Um, be, be present with me in my walking, in my, in my watching of this new show. Uh, help me remember you are sovereign. Just trying to train myself throughout the day to be in his presence. God is with you. To enjoy that, though, you've got to be attentive. And you've got to kneel. You've got to be humble. The Magi were powerful, wealthy. They were alpha dogs. And the scripture tells us that they were so overjoyed when the star stopped. They were overjoyed. But they did not do this. They bowed down. They bowed down. They made themselves small because they were in the mighty, magnificent presence of God. In Jerusalem, there's this church that, um, it's called the Church of the Nativity. And we don't know that if this is true, but it's, it's for many, many, many years, it's, it's been thought to have been the place of Jesus' birth. And when you go there, it's, um, you go into this place, and then there's a cave down below. And you open this door, maybe some of you have been there, but you, you open this door, and it's small, and, and you have to bow down, literally bow down, to get into this cave if you want to see the, the setup of Mary and Joseph and the, and the baby Jesus and the candles and the paraphernalia that they have down in there. And I think it's so fitting because you have to bow down to get there. And every tourist in the world does that. Herod doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to bow down. His nickname was Herod the Great. He wanted to be the only big one or the biggest one that there was. And I know that there's a little Herod inside me. And I bet there's a Herod inside you as well. In his presence, we bow down and we worship. And as we worship, part of worship is giving him gifts. The Magi give, give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Friends, those were not cheap gifts. They're gifts fitting for a king. Scriptures always told us that God deserves the first and the best 
What, what are you planning to give Jesus this Christmas? Is he on, on your list? In almost every church I've served, December was the, the largest month for people to give of their tithes and offerings. Because in almost every church I've, I've served, maybe every church I've served, there have been people, people who, he was first on their list. They wanted to give the first and the best. In his presence, we, we worship and, and we say, it's all yours. Everything I have, everything I am, everything I'll be, it's all yours. You're worthy of all of it, of all of me. Last week, I had our granddaughters were over at our house. and I, I'm very task-oriented by nature, and I'm in the kitchen, and I'm, I don't know, cleaning up or doing things. And little two-year-old Emmy comes in and she says, Go-Go, uh, they call me Go-Go. Go-Go, will, um, will you play with me? Yes, I will in a minute. Just need to finish this up. She goes away. She comes back. Go-Go, will you play with me? Yeah, um, in a minute I just have to finish. To blah, 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 blah. She leaves. She comes back again. Go-Go, will you play with me? And finally, the third time, I finally, I got it. And I left what I was doing. And I went just to be with her. Friends, Jesus left heaven in order to be with us. In our eating and our playing and our, our planning and our brokenness where we need healing and forgiveness and hope. And in, and in the brokenness of this world that needs his presence. So we can be attentive of what, what he's doing in us and, and around us and responsive and part of that. No excuses. Not this year. God is with you. Be attentive to that. In all humility, it's really that simple. 